So many of you know that January 1, some of us started reading the chronological Bible through in a year. And it's been a blessing. You know, we started in Genesis, so we got to look at the creation and Adam and Eve and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And, and we got, we're into Job right now. It's been a blessing for, for those of us doing it. But while looking at the Old Testament forefathers, they're pretty interesting. But there's just not a more captivating subject in the Bible, in the whole world really, than the person of Jesus Christ. Right To study him, to study Jesus is to study and look at the face of God. And I can honestly say that when I'm pursuing Jesus the most, my heart's the most happiest in my life when when my eyes are fixed upon him. The Christian life is Christ. It's Christ living inside of us. It's loving Christ. It's following Christ. It's serving Christ. It's delighting in the person of Jesus Christ. Christianity is a personal relationship with Christ. And we all know that it's not merely a church building. Christianity is not, as you know, it's not just a bunch of rules and regulations. It is knowing Jesus Christ. And that is a life that is the most fulfilling. A Christ with life is the most fulfilling one that somebody on earth can live. So it reminds me of the Apostle Paul when he said, for, to, for me to live is Christ. And that is the bottom line. For us to live is Christ. And can we truly say that this morning? Can we all truly say that for me to live is Christ? And some of us might think, well, for me, for me to live is work or family. And those are rightfully good in their proper places, right? But the priority must be Jesus in our life because it's through him. It's as we live in Christ, it's through Christ that we can be the best family member, right? We can be the best husband, the best dad, the best wife, the best son, the best daughter. It's when Christ is first. That's when we're the best at those things. And also work that's when we'll be the best employee and the best employer is when we have christ first when we're in him so that's why this morning chose to go back to a pretty simple passage about our lord the one we'll be studying today and and marvel at with our lord and savior jesus christ is luke chapter 5 the miraculous catch and if asked what the main application of this passage in luke chapter 5 would be many of us would say it's to be fishers of men it's to be witnesses for Christ, right? It's to be plant seeds for Christ so, so, so he will draw all men to himself. <clears throat> well, while, while very true in looking at this past couple of weeks, I saw points of obedience, of, of pride, of our calling before the Lord, of submission, and a wonderful display of Christ's absolute sovereignty over the world. So let's look for some of those points this morning also. As we look at Luke chapter 5. And let's just, let's just kind of sit back and just be amazed at his glory this morning. Let's read the whole passage and then we'll dissect it in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gesenaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a lid away from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. 
When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats, so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So as we dissect this passage of Scripture this morning and, and get some of these points out of it, let's first look at the crowd. In verse 1 we read, Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gesenerets. So there's this crowd. Jesus always seemed to have a crowd of people around him. He had been performing miracles for a while. He'd been teaching the people. He'd been demonstrating love and compassion for the people like, like they've never experienced it before, right? So these crowds are getting larger and larger and larger around Jesus. And this is a multitude of people who's following the Lord Jesus Christ. He was by the Sea of Galilee in the northern part of Israel. This is a beautiful place for him to, to, to preach, to share the word because of the mountainous area around the lake provided a natural like amphitheater for his voice. This is where they literally tried to make him king, to enthrone him as their earthly king. So he is very popular at this point in his ministry. So the crowd, as we look at them, they're pressing in around Jesus and we read that they were listening to the word of God. I mean, never. Can you imagine being in that crowd? Never have they heard anyone preach the word of God like Jesus is preaching the word of God. He is the word of God. So surely he's preaching from the, from the 39 books of the Old Testament, but he's, I'm sure, opening up mysteries of the kingdom to these people in ways they've never heard before that we get the honor and the privilege of reading about in the Gospels. And they're listening and they're hanging on Jesus' every word, this crowd of people. And as I mentioned earlier, some of us are reading through the Bible in a year and others are doing different Bible studies frequently in their homes. And we, too, are experiencing this thrill. We're hanging on every word of the Lord. We wake up. I've, I've talked to a few of you, some of you. You wake up. You're excited. You're ready to see what God is going to reveal to you that day in Scripture. It's like your heart is yearning and wanting to learn more about the Lord. And that must be true for all of you here this morning. Because every week when I come, you're here too. There's a lot of things we could all be doing on Sunday morning, right? But you're here. You're ready to absorb the word. You're ready to learn about Christ and the God that you love. That's what the crowd was experiencing that day. Jesus preaching and teaching had to be so powerful, so penetrating, and they're listening to what? The word of God. Jesus had a word-centered ministry. What a blessing. What a privilege it is for us to be able to study the Scriptures. So, so we see he's preaching the word, and we read in verse 2 that he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of the boats, and they were washing their nets. So as the crowd is growing larger, he sees these two boats. Now, these weren't two little row boats. These were fishing boats, not 
enormous yachts and fishing boats we see today. But they were good-sized boats, right? Enough for multiple men, a multitude of men, and to catch a big load of fish. So the fishermen are washing their nets because that's when they prepared during the day, and they fished at night. And in verse 3, we read that he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. So we got into one of the boats. It was Simon's. Let's focus on that for a minute. This is early in the Lord's ministry. Simon is a believer, but he's also a fisherman, as evidenced right here. Simon is still fishing. And there's a, but the Lord has more in plans for, for Simon than, than to just be a believer and a fisherman. He has a ministry in store for Simon, and we know what that is, don't we? Because at Pentecost, we read that Simon is the one who gets up and preaches, and 3,000 souls are saved that day for the Lord. So the Lord has a plan for Simon, has a great ministry in store for Simon, and in this passage, he's in the process of preparing him for that ministry. It's exciting to think of what God has in store for each one of us. This morning, he has prepared good works for all of us to do. And that's exciting that he goes before us and he prepares these good works. We we see this in scripture, do we not? In our Sunday school classes, youth group and, and, and junior high Sunday school, high school Sunday school classes, we've looked at this passage of scripture many times. Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we, that's us, are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. As long as we are on this earth, there's a good work he's prepared for us to do. The Lord is preparing Simon in this passage and the Lord is preparing us daily. It could be that the Lord is preparing somebody in this room right now for full-time ministry. It could be that the Lord is preparing somebody in this room just to be a more active member in the body of Christ. I wonder if the Lord is preparing somebody in this room right now to be a full-time missionary. I wonder what the Lord might be preparing for you. I wonder if he's preparing a ministry for you in your workplace. Well, the Lord has a future marked out for Simon, and there's an important pivotal moment in this passage that we're going to read that takes place where the Lord makes known to him that he's going to be fishers of men. So let's read. Let's, uh, so we read that Jesus got into a boat and it was Simon's. And he pushed off a little bit, and this allowed him to be more easily seen and heard due to the crowd, which was literally right on top of him. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. We read earlier he was teaching the word of God. So let's just make one last point of that, that this is what Jesus is teaching, the word. And just to, to, to assure you that that's what needs to be proclaimed, really, from the pulpit here and every pulpit every Sunday morning is the word of God. Rick and I and the rest of the elders here are committed to making sure that Chatham Christian Church is exactly that. It's a word-centered church. And I pray that long after we're all gone, that this building here will be a Bible-believing, a Bible-teaching, a Bible-preaching church. Always going back to the Word to bring glory to the Father. And that's what we see here in the public ministry of Jesus. We see here, we see a crowd listening to the Word, just like we're a crowd gathered here this morning on Sunday, 
listening, dissecting the word of God. So we move from the crowd to a command. And in verse 4, Jesus completes his teaching. He says, it says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon. Now, this is going to be directed to Simon. Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Well, speaking as a fellow fisherman, Simon was a fisherman and I'm a fisherman. Simon might not have had the best gear in the world like I do, right? But, uh, uh, no, that's just a dorky picture. But just uh, speaking as a fellow fisherman, uh, this is going to be a big, big pill for Peter to swallow. I mean, this is for a carpenter. Jesus is a carpenter. Tell a fisherman how to fish. Right? We, we fishermen, we're prideful people. Right? We are. We're prideful people. We think that we know what works best on what day conditions it is. What conditions are out there? We think we know where the fish might be hiding in a lake that day. We think we know exactly what lure to throw and how fast to achieve it. And we're prideful. And we don't take too well to outsiders coming in and giving us advice. Right? We just don't take too well to that. Well, the Lord is going to do far more than just a little coaching, a little outside advice. He's going to test Peter with this. And here's the test. Peter, will you be obedient Will you do what I tell you to do? Because the plans that he has for Peter's life, the ministry that Peter's going to have, the success of it is going to be contingent upon Peter's submission to the word, to Jesus. It's almost like Jesus is saying, I know you are going to do great things. You're going to be powerful teacher and preacher for me, Peter. But first you must submit. You must submit to me. And that fisherman's pride and that pride must be just put on the back burner. So Peter hears from the Lord a command. And this isn't a suggestion, right? This is a command. The command is put out into deep water, let down your nets for a catch. Peter hears this and he's been out all night. He's already been out all night fishing and he caught nothing. He hasn't left his fishing business to day in and day out follow Jesus yet. And Jesus says, I want you to go out there And I want you to do it again. Will he go? Will he go back out? Will he submit? This is the situation that he's in right now. Will his pride get in the way? This was the one thing he knew, and now he's being called to obey Christ. And what what a great application that is for us this morning. right? Can all of us, and obviously me included, there's no exceptions, can we examine our hearts and see if we're submitting everything to Christ's lordship? The closeness of our walk with Jesus really depends on that, does it not? Submission to him. That's what it depends on. And whatever ministry or good work that we read about in Ephesians 2.10, whatever good work he has in store of us is going to be conditioned upon us then first submitting, humbling ourselves before him, before the authority of the word of God. And that's the test, it seems to me, anyway, that he's putting before Peter. Will you be in submission to my word? And so this leads us to to verse 5 where Peter concedes and we read that Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. Simon said, Master, and and note that this is a general term for respect, usually used for the word teacher. So he's basically saying, Teacher, we've been out all night. This isn't the word for Lord that he uses in a couple verses from now that we'll see. Peter's not there yet, it seems to me. Instead, he says, teacher, we've been out there all night. 
and haven't caught anything. It's almost like he's reminding him we've already been out there. What's interesting about this catching nothing to me when thinking about it is for me, in my mind, I see a professional fisherman, Peter. I see his partners. I see him going out all the time, a good business. I think it would be very rare, if ever, but let's just go with very rare, that he caught nothing. Nothing. And so I've been thinking about that. I'm thinking, you know, that just shows me the Lord in sovereignly in control of this whole situation, even the night before. In my mind, I think it's reasonable to conclude that he prevented fish from going into Peter's net so he could teach him this wonderful lesson we're going to see in a minute. He could have prevented the fish from going in those nets just like we're going to read about in a few verses where he just causes the nets to break so much fish in them and boats will sink. This shows me that Christ is just in control of everything. But Peter here kind of reluctantly says, well, but I will do as you say, and I will let down the nets. He still kind of wants to be in control and call the shots. Assuming that he knows more than the Lord does about this particular situation in his life. It makes no sense. He's kind of like saying, I've been there and I've done that. And, and by way of application, I just think, man, we should look and see if we have any of that attitude within us. You know, been there, done that. Do I have to go back out and let down my nets again? I invited my neighbor once to church and they didn't come. Maybe I should check that box. I don't really need to do that again. Oh, they're studying First Thessalonians on Wednesday night. I read that before. Don't need to go there. Been there, done that. The mission trip to Mexico in 2018, I went on a mission trip before. I support them. I've been there. I've done that. I don't need to go again. Read through the Bible in a year. I tried it once. Didn't finish. Didn't catch any fish. Have I been there and done that? Must I do it again, Lord? Sometimes I think when we think about these things, we don't really, it's not our, we don't always understand why we should, we should be doing something at some point in our life where we are right then. But it's really not for us to understand, is it? It's for us to read, to see what he says to do, and then to do it. To submit, obey, and just do it. Well, we looked at the crowd. We looked at this command of Jesus. And that leads us to the exciting thing, the catch. When they began to do this, when they had done this, They enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. When they had done this, that means to me when they had obeyed, that's to say when they got back into their boats, they went back out just where they were the night before. They went out during the day, and when they had done this, Luke says in kind of a low-key, tongue-in-cheek, maybe kind of casual way, they enclosed a great quantity of fish. Again, if I were writing this, especially being a fisherman, I might have wrote something like, uh, they caught a kabillion fish, all largemouth bass weighing over five pounds. I mean, the fact is, think about this. This had to be the greatest, bar none, the greatest catch of their lives. It would be, at me, it would be like me landing the big seven-pound bass that I've never caught and then minutes later catching another one. This was absolutely a miracle, divine intervention from God. This was the Lord in total control of the situation, causing fish in a lake to swim towards nets at rapid pace. So much so that at the end of verse 6, we read, 
their nets began to break. Never, never have these fishermen been associated with anything like this. This was such a huge cast that we read in verse 7. They signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But an enormous catch of fish. These boats couldn't withstand the weight. Now, what do we take away from that? I think it was absolutely confirmation of the deity of Jesus Christ. Every miracle was a statement of Christ's deity. But they were experiencing it in a little different way. Peter had seen Jesus do a few other miracles. But this was on their turf, right? They were the fishermen. These were their boats. These were their waters that they fish all the time. And to see this miraculous event happen on their turf, right in front of their eyes, I think the shock of it just absolutely opened their eyes to the full deity of Jesus Christ. And if you think about it, it will be important for these men to know that, to know the Lord is in control of everything, even down to the smallest fish swimming towards nets. Because soon after, Peter The disciples, they will stand up against Caesar and the might of the Roman Empire. In a few short years, this little group of disciples will have oppositions on every front. And oh, is this important for them to know that Christ is sovereign over everything. He is in control. And what a huge encouraging truth for us today. What's impossible for man is possible for God. That's what this catch demonstrates. And it shows us the necessity of our obedience to him. Because notice, this happened after they pushed the boat back out, right? If they refused the Lord's command and did not go back out and did not let down their nets, there would have not been this miraculous catch. So, please note the conviction of Peter. This had no small effect on Peter and the disciples. It blew their mind. Never had they experienced that before. This floored him, and rightfully so. We read in verse 8, But when Simon Peter saw that miraculous catch of fish, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. That huge catch of fish that there's no human explanation for, apart from God working, Christ working, actively working. When Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet. And that, to me, seems like a very good place to be. That's a posture of being overwhelmed at what he just saw. Falling down at Jesus' feet, surrendering to him is a good place to be when we realize the saving grace that's offered to us through the cross. Peter had been with the Lord for some time now, but now he has a deeper understanding of who he is and the power of his word. And he just falls down at that. He just falls down. He's gripped with fear. This is beyond his comprehension. He's consumed with awe and reverence. He collapsed and went limp. He realized at that moment, I'm standing in more, more than the presence of just a carpenter from Nazareth, right? I'm standing, this guy is more than just a teacher. He realized that moment, he's standing, he's in the presence of Christ the eternal God in human flesh. And in that moment, he says, go away from me, Lord, 
Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Peter's stunned. He's just stunned. And in verse 9, we read, For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the fish which they had taken. Now, this word amazement, this first word, means astonished, mind-boggling. Again, blew his mind. He shattered his preconceived notions. He was bewildered. And there are times in our spiritual lives where hopefully we all have experienced some of this, where we're just astonished and we're just amazed, where God reveals his glory to us in in a whole new way. And you just want to fall down at his feet. For me, I, thinking about one of my examples, you've probably heard this before, but for me it was when we were in Israel and, and Tina and I were on the Mount of Olives and we're overlooking Jerusalem and we're just picturing, picturing Christ there the night before he goes to the cross. And there's really just a little valley and then there's Jerusalem and here's the Mount of Olives. And Christ is there overlooking Calvary the night before. And we all know the pain he's in and the agony he's in. and Knowing what's in front of him, bearing the sins of the world upon himself in his body on that cross. And, and you look back and there was the escape path. Just All he had to do was just turn and run if he wanted to and just leave and get out of there. You know, but he didn't. He didn't. He knew what he would suffer, and he still went to the cross for you and for me to bear our sins upon that cross. And that, when you see, when you're in that environment, it just brings the whole story to a whole new light. And the glory of God is just, just shines upon you in a whole new way. And I hope you've had that experience at some point, multiple times. And Peter has this. He is amazed, astonished at this What's going on right in front of him? And it seized him. Like it gripped hold of him. It it laid into him this truth about God and all of his companions because of the catch of fish. Bottom line is they were at that moment convicted. They were convicted. And this conviction about God and about Christ is something that we all need to have this morning. I mean, there is no conviction in our lives more important than this one. And that is our understanding of who God is, who Christ is, and what he accomplished on the cross for our behalf. So to conclude, Jesus speaks for a a second time. Jesus knows that Peter is now in the place he wants him to be. Peter will obviously continue to grow, but there's been a significant change in view of, of the Lord from Peter, and the Lord is now ready to put out the call to Peter. Not for Peter to come, but for Peter to go. The call is to be a fisher of men. Notice in verse 10. And Jesus says to Simon, Do not. Verse 10. Jesus says to Simon, Do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. When they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So the Lord has great plans for Peter's life. He's still going to be a fisherman, but no longer for fish. He's going to fish for the souls of men. And how we too, obviously that's a huge application point out here, because how we too need to be fishers of men. We all need to to launch away from the shore, right? To get out where the fish are, to cast our nets and trust that God is going to reward that. He'll bring people into his kingdom. Parents are called to lead their children to Christ. 
Grandparents can cast their nets with their grandchildren. In schools or in the workplace, we are to be fishers of men. So how did they respond? Well, we read in verse 11, or it's still up there, when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. These men had an established business. They had an established fishing business, potentially at the height of their fishing business career. They had a lot to leave. They abandoned their boats. They left their fishing business behind, left everything, and answered the call the Lord issued to them. This was not for everyone who had a fishing business to sell their business. But this was a unique call for them. And they left everything and followed him. They didn't ask what would be required of following Jesus. They didn't ask if there was health insurance, if there's a retirement plan, if there's a chance for advancement. None of that happened. Just you follow me, drop it all, leave it behind, step out of the boat, follow me now, and I'll have you catching men. Obedience, submission, the Lord's calling in our lives, the absolute deity, sovereign nature of our Lord confirmed. We find all this in the first few verses of Luke chapter 5. And I pray that all of us this morning will stand where Peter stood and just say, Lord, I realize what a sinful person I am. And I understand how holy you are. I understand now even more to a better degree who you are. And I stand ready to obey. If you happen to have never given your life to Christ, know that he stands ready with his arms wide open to adopt you into his family. Christ will save us when we come to him. We know that he will wash our sins away by his powerful blood that he shed on the cross. Christ will not turn anyone away. For us who are already followers of Christ, I pray that we will continue evaluate, continue and evaluate our willingness to serve him. To the point to where if the word of God says for us to launch back out into the water, that's what we do. To the point where if the word says, convicts us that we're to drop our nets again, that uh, even if we've already been there, caught nothing, already been there, done that, that we go back out and we drop the nets again. I pray that each and every one of us is, is willing this morning and we're ready to obey whatever the word of God leads us to do. So let's do that this week, this month, tomorrow, next year, till he calls us home. Let's just serve him with all of our hearts. And let's do that, continue to worshiping him as we stand and sing this morning. <laughs>